Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast with your hosts, Yasmina and Ari, who will be uncovering gems of wisdom with Jewish educators from around the world. To support our podcast, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Jewish Education Experience Podcast. Our guest today is David Barishman. He's originally from South Africa and is currently a 10th grade Jewish history teacher at Shelhevet High School in Los Angeles, California. He previously taught Judaics and history at various schools, both in South Africa and in LA, California. In addition, he worked for the Los Angeles Unified School District for 12 years as a history teacher. And David is currently also the director for a Jewish learning center for grades one through five. Well, hello, David. Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on on the program. It's our pleasure. I'm looking forward to um, hearing a little bit more about your story. So will you please tell us a bit more about yourself and how you began your journey in Jewish education? Sure, absolutely. So um, I I would go back uh, many years to when I was a young child um, growing up in uh, South Africa. I was very fortunate to uh, spend a lot of time with my, my grandfather Um, My grandfather was from Vilna, Lithuania, and he came to South Africa in 1927. And uh, from there, he he built a life for himself. Um, He got married, he had children, and he built a a business. And um, unfortunately, uh, um, he did not see his parents again once he left, or his uh, siblings, as they all perished in the Holocaust. I was very fortunate to spend um, much time with my grandfather, and um, he told me much about um, his history and what it was like <clears throat> growing up in um, in Vilna, the anti-Semitism that he faced there, and um, his life in, in in South Africa where he moved to, and um, his great pride for the state of Israel along the same time, um, always talking about the memory of, of the Holocaust and how it's something that, that shouldn't be forgotten. Um, so I would say that's been my my personal foundation um, in Jewish history. Uh, when I was in, uh, in, in high school, um, I had the amazing opportunity to spend three months in Israel on a Ulpan program when I was in 10th grade. And that certainly uh, increased my my interest in uh, the land of Israel and the history of the Jewish people. When I came back um, from from Israel that same year, I went to a Jewish camp um, for a few years every summer. And when I was in college, I in fact was a, a camp counselor at this um, at the same Jewish camp that I attended. I really enjoyed um, being a counselor, being able to to play the role of imparting the pride of the Jewish people and the city of Israel. And it was then I was enrolled in college, and I did a my major was a a um, the Jewish Jewish history and uh, general history. 
And I decided in my in my third year of college, because in South Africa the the bachelor's degree is three years, as opposed to four years, which it is here. Right. I decided in my um, third year that I wanted to combine my my great love for for working with with um, with 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 young with young um, you know minds. And at the same time, my great in, enjoyment and and and, um, and love for for Jewish history, and I decided to enroll in a in a one year education program in South Africa. I was very fortunate. Towards the end of my program, I received a call from um, a teacher who actually taught me when I was in tenth uh, grade, and he had become the principal of the Jewish school that I went to. And he called me and he said to me, there's an opening for a, for a Jewish history teaching position um, in, a, in another town. So I'm, I'm from Cape Town and this position was in Port Elizabeth, which is about, about an hour flight outside of Cape Town. And um, of course, I was 23 years old. And it was very exciting to you know, start my new job in a new town. I certainly uh, grabbed the opportunity. And um, and there I was at the age of twenty three. I was I was uh, fending for myself, and I was at the same time building up and creating a Jewish curriculum in the school. And um, soon after that, I um, I actually um, found another position in um, Los Angeles in a uh, in a private Jewish school, and. Um, I worked in a private Jewish school, um, and then um, I decided to to change course, and I received. I went to. I went back to to college um, when I was about twenty seven years old, and decided to study for a California teaching credential in in history, so I can open my 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 opportunities to be able to work in both public and private schools. At the same wow. time, I was working, and I just got married, and um, so I didn't have the, the the luxury, I should say, to be able to just um, uh, you know study full time. I had to work at the same time, and I had to study after work every day. So I'll teach part time, and then I would um, study for my for my for my coursework um, after that. I also this I also decided to combine my um, teaching credential with a um, with a master of education. It was a combined course, and I thought, why not just do both at the same time? After three years, I received my my California teaching credential in um, in history, and also my master of education. And soon after that, I began working for the Los Angeles Unified School District. And um, I actually remained with the district for 12 years. I taught um, history primarily, and um, I was um, also involved in other activities in the schools, starting a debating club, arranging a, a, a cultural fair, um, you know, being, being, up, being beyond the classroom and um, also organizing a career fair and, Doing, doing a little bit more um, for being part of those schools. I decided um, after 12 years that it was time to go back to private education. And um, I went back to, 
to Jewish day schools. And um, so where I am at the moment is I'm currently working at a non-Orthodox school in Los Angeles called uh, Shalhevet. I'm teaching um, Jewish history to grade 10. And last uh, in the summer uh, last year, um, I was approached by a, a rabbi of a local Chabad shul that I, that I attend. And he asked me if I could start a learning center, which we, which we have started. And uh, we currently have uh, six students. And um, this is where I am at the moment in terms of my uh, educational journey. Wow, so cool. Um, lots of experience and lots of different experiences that you have. I'm curious, um, how much of Jewish history were you able to dive into when you taught in the public school system? Not not much. I mean, you know, obviously I would I would cover the broad areas like the Holocaust. I mean, I would teach according to the curriculum. So whatever the Californian curriculum was, I would I would go by that. Um, so I certainly definitely in the in the Jewish day school now than I'm at, I certainly have much more time to to delve into the topic. Um, also to spend as much time as I need on the topic or get a sense of where the students' interests are and uh, to really make the, the learning as enjoyable as possible. It must be um, like freeing, I guess, in a way that you could take a deep breath and know that you could really dive into Jewish history and Jewish education and, and really um, make sure your students have a firm grasp in that. Yes. Yes. It's also very rewarding to, to hear feedback from my students um, when they when they tell me they're understanding and they're enjoying the course. Um, I, I will say that I'm, I feel very fortunate to have had years of experience in public school. Um, I was able to attend many professional development uh, courses. Whenever there was a course, I would sign up you know, and go to courses all over the place. Um, and I'm very fortunate to be able to use that experience within teaching um, Jewish history. And I think it definitely enriches the program uh, for the students um, having had that, that experience in public school. For sure. I'm curious about the Chabad school that you're also um, director teaching. Uh, is that something that was just started this year or in yes, 2021? So- or? Yes. Um, so I'd like to talk more about that. I'm, I'm glad you, you asked more about that because there's actually a, a very nice story behind it. So as you know, um, we've been in the pandemic for the last uh, two years. Um, the rabbi of the Chabad Shul, um, Rabbi Levin, he, what he was doing was during the pandemic um, last year, before um, doing towards the um the beginning of last of last year, um, when I talk beginning of 2021, when we were in the midst, when we were in the midst of the pandemic and there was still lockdown and everything else, um, what he did was he didn't want students staying at home um, because obviously the effects of lack of socialization um, is, is just immense for young students, and he encouraged students to come to his shul where they could log on to their their public school classes. And there they would be able to 
um, at least have a social environment with their with their uh, with their learning. Rabbi Levin asked me to to, to um, start a learning center, which which um, we hope will eventually develop into a into a, into a larger school. And um, the goal of the school is to make Jewish education accessible for um, anyone who wants a Jewish education. So, meaning that we are offering a full program from Monday to Friday, um, half-day Judaic studies, half-day um, general studies, at a fraction of the cost of a regular Jewish day school. But at the same time, we are also looking at ways that we can best educate our students and best help them to learn effectively. I really love that idea, and it sounds like it has so much merit. Is it mainly Jewish kids who would be going to public school anyway, and this is an option, or is this a little bit of a competitive model to um, the other Jewish day schools in the area? I don't think it's a competitive model. I think it's more of a niche, Okay, which, which, we, are, which we are trying to find. And I will say in the beginning, it was very challenging because we weren't sure exactly what our niche was, who would be our students. And we're finding most of our students now are students who were in public school, but want to have a, a Jewish social environment. Okay. Um, at the same time, it's, it, it, you know, we only have six six students at the moment. Um, we are doing our best to help each one learn according to their their ways. And it says in uh, in the Pekiavot, each 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 student should learn according to their their ways right. that they learn best. So that's really how we're hoping to to grow to grow the program um, into a unique model, which is number one accessible number two, affordable, and number three, tailor-made to meet individual learning needs. I definitely see a need in that, and I think that is such a great example for other schools, if I may say, to kind of think of that and contemplate on how we can make Jewish education more accessible. With some of the other educators we've interviewed, they've mentioned the, the cost being a major challenge that Jewish day schools are, are facing and how do we combat that? You know, so I love that. It sounds like you guys are still, you guys have kind of figured that out. I know you're still new and probably working out kinks, but um, we definitely could use a school that is more affordable for sure. And especially in California where it's so expensive yes, anyway. Exactly. And also the idea is, you know, for parents to know they have an option that, you know, if they want to be in public school, that's that's fine. But if they want a Jewish education or Jewish social environment, then this is something which we are offering them. Yeah, I think that is so cool. How do you talk about God and how might that differ with the areas age groups that you work with? Okay, So um, my focus is mainly as a Jewish history teacher. But I can certainly um, say that, you know, God plays a huge role in our past, our present, and our future. In in Jewish history, 
We learn about the, the many challenging times that the Jewish people have gone through, even to this very day. But our resolve is that God is always with us, and He always be with us. And um, I think I, I personally think it's very important that that educators impart this to their students. Now, of course, there are many grappling issues which will come up in Jewish history. For example, the Holocaust. Right. It is like how and why could such an event have happened? And sometimes there are no perfect answers for such for such events. But I do believe that when there's a core of understanding that that God runs the world according to according to His way. And if I think if, it, if if an educator models that and firmly believes that, I think they'll be imparted to the students also. I agree 100%. And I'm sure it's a challenge too to how, how do you make sure you're covering, I guess, what you need to and make sure they're getting it and also not trying to put too much of your opinions in, in what you're teaching. Absolutely. And I think, you know, belief in God is a very, it's a very personal thing. And it has to be something that students can identify with and understand. And also, you know, there's the expression about the vessel, that the vessel has, there has to be an open vessel for a student to want to receive an education about God and understanding the world, which leads me on to another idea that education today is very challenging because we live in a very complex world where there are so many distractions to to what we do every day. But when I'm at Chalhev at high school, we have our, our prayer, prayers in the morning, and it's just such a beautiful time of day. So one of my favorite parts of the day, we actually stop. And we focus, and we and we pray, and it just the, that 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 forty five minutes of praying. I find it, it 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 centers the students, and it gives us that energy to move on with the rest of the day. It's really important about just taking that time one hundred percent, and really having that to um, send you off on a positive note for the day. I notice my for myself. If I don't spend that time in the morning, even if it's just a little bit, we have three young kids, so I'm in their home with me. So some some days when they get up early and I don't get a chance to do my davening, I totally feel it in myself. So I, I 100% agree. And you touched on education and you know, education or chinuch in Hebrew, it can be a bit of an amorphous term. How would you define education? Okay, so I would certainly say that education, in in my opinion, is about experiencing something firsthand. Education is experience. Um, you know, the days of a chalk and talk teacher are gone. Um, yes, teachers can still do that today if they if they choose to, but the attention span of an average student is getting less and less by the year yeah for sure and as so as teachers we really need to engage as much as we can in terms of understanding that technology 
can play a huge role in education in terms of understanding how students learn, creativity. And it's also very important that when when you teach a subject, that the students have the opportunity to practice what's being taught. I'll give an example of that. I'm teaching currently Jewish history, and uh, we just covered uh, the topic about the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire um, in, in New York. And this, we, we talk about it because it was a huge event in terms of uh, bringing about reform in the, in the workplace and, 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 and safety in, in the workplace to make sure such an event never happens again. And I taught the students about that, but I thought it's not enough just to teach them that. I want them actually, actually able to understand the topic. So I had the students create a newspaper front page. I gave them a template. And they had to make up a name with the newspaper that they gave the date, which was after the event happened. They had to put a heading, um, an introduction, why, how, and who, what happened, images, captions. And then they had to go into the middle. The middle column was all about witnesses who witnessed the event. The last column was a summary of what could be learned about that. So the students really enjoyed this activity. And once again, you know, it it involves thinking outside the box to ensure that students are not just learning the text, but actually going through the experience of understanding what's being learned. That's such a great example of you can learn it by reading or talking about it in the classroom, but when you actually do that kind of project where you're forced to put it into action, you they especially kids these days, right? They absorb it so much more. So that's such a great example. Absolutely. Um, I also would add that the students at Shalhebet, they also go on uh, Shabbatonim. We took the students uh, a few weeks ago up to Running Springs, and uh, they experienced a real Shabbat with amazing food and singing and programming and sessions and once again, it's not just about, you know, Shabbat in the textbook. It's about actually experiencing the, the feeling of Shabbat. Um, in Shalhevet, um, I haven't been on this tour yet, but I'm, I'm hoping, <laughs> it's on my bucket list, I'm hoping to go one year. Um, they actually take the senior students to Poland and Israel. Wow. And March of the Living? Uh, I don't, it's not the March of the Living. I think it's more of this independent tour. But there is okay. I, 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 there is the March of the Living, which is a separate tour. But they actually go on a private tour, and um, once again, it's the it's the real experience of going to Poland, seeing where um, the Jewish community lived for so many years, and of course, seeing the reality of what, what happened in the Holocaust, and then seeing the state of Israel afterwards. So to me, once again, it, 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 it's no doubt an amazing living experience of something that's just in the textbook. It's such a great experience. And what a nice too, right? To see as Jews, we've had so many challenges and so many ups and downs. And you, then you look at the land of Israel and all of the miracles that happen. And the fact that this tiny country, you know, is still managed to survive even after all it's been through in its short amount of statehood, you know, it's, it really is amazing. 
Absolutely. What do you find to be the biggest challenge that you faced as an educator? So I would say technology is a challenge because as we know today, all children are glued to their screens. Yes. So my theory is that if you can't beat something, you have to join it in in the best way possible that it can work for your students. So we're not going back. Technology is with us. It's here to stay. But there are the most incredible apps and programs that can be used through technology. And I'm, I'm learning about these new apps every day. There's an amazing app like Kahoot's, for example, where you can have review questions with the students and they play an actual game in real time. There are other apps where you can ask students questions and they can type in their answers in a box, like Padlet, for example. So I think the biggest challenge is knowing how to use technology in the classroom to the advantage. Now, there are different types of schools out there. I've taught in Orthodox schools where clean technology has no place in the classroom. But Shalhevet um, is a non-Orthodox school. So we can and we do use technology in the classroom. Um, I've had the students create PowerPoint presentations. We did a project uh, last semester where they had to interview a family member and find out the history of the family member, where they came from and how they came to America and all the experiences and what they could teach them today. And the students presented their projects on PowerPoint slides, which were very, very impressive. So as an overview, I would say that technology, it's a challenge. But on the other hand, it you can encourage amazing creativity and information at the tips of our fingertips. And the list is just endless of what you can do with technology in the classroom. Hand in hand, the same idea goes with the attention span of students is so short today. It's also a challenge. I think teachers need to be aware of that and limit their lecture time and increase the actual experience time in the classroom where the students actually get to practice and experience what they're learning. I can agree with that. How do we find the balance between using it for for good and it has so many benefits, but then also not using it too much and that it becomes this crutch or this, you know, addiction that we have? Um, that's, that's a very good question. And, you know, fortunately, there are apps out there, like, for example, you know, plagiarism is a big issue and we want to make sure our students are not just copying and pasting. So fortunately, fortunately, there are apps out there. You can actually, you know, check to make sure that there's no plagiarism. Um, you asked about the balance. Well, clearly there needs to be a balance in terms of time on technology and time away from technology. And I think to, you know, prayer, for example, is a break from technology. Shabbat is a break from technology. Meditation is a break from technology. So without a doubt, there certainly still needs to be a balance um, to have a healthy life. Definitely agree. And thank God for Shabbat, for sure, that we have that moment to kind of force us in a way to take a break. How do you stay motivated? So firstly, I think being motivated is also having a good balance, um, having time to, to work and also having time to do enjoyable things. Um, 
I like to listen to Shirim online. Like, for example, Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, he always inspires me, whatever he says. And Rabbi Sachs is also, you know, very inspiring of what they say and how they impart the information. I think also reading about new trends in education is also very motivating. There's always new research out there. I think also being motivated is learning from other educators. When I first started teaching in public school, I would sit in the classroom of very experienced teachers that I was just in awe of, of how they ran their classes, how the students learned. And from them, I would pick up whatever I could to bring into my classroom. So we could learn so much from each other. And something which, you know, which I'm hoping to see in the future is more interaction between teachers and teachers in, in Jewish schools in terms of sharing ideas and sharing best practices. I know this is very evident in public schools because it's something we did in our professional developments, but I think teachers have amazing ideas. And I think we can learn so much from each other of what works well in the classroom. And I also would say that education is not a one-size-fits-all, especially today. It's more individualized, more unique than ever before. And what motivates me as a teacher is realizing that every day is a brand new day to impart knowledge on, on students that will hopefully learn and understand and uh, one day impart that knowledge to somebody else. That's definitely key is having a model and learning from other educators who are in the field and, and being willing to share. And that's actually one of the reasons we started this podcast, because we wanted to have that open up that conversation between educators and they can listen and, oh, this is what this educator is going through. And so we're very grateful that um, we have this opportunity. And you touched on this already, but what advice would you give to new Jewish educators who are just beginning their journey? Fortunately, when I worked for the district, um, I had the opportunity to mentor uh, new teachers. And I would say that the information would be very similar. I would give advice of the following. I would say be patient, realizing that education is a, is, a, is a lifelong process. I've been teaching for 20 years, and I'm still working on my teaching every day to make it more effective, to make it more enjoyable. And it's very important to build a relation with a student. Teachers play a huge role in the lives of students, and the more likely that they that they trust you and they like you, the more likely they will want to learn from you. New teachers should be willing to try different things. They should be willing to try something that may be different, try something that hasn't been done before, because it just may be the key to the most amazing lesson, which their students never forget. There's no manual on how to be an effective teacher. Yes, there's a pedagogy of going to education school and learning about different, different theories of teaching, but what really works best is what the teacher knows works best for their individual students. And each teacher needs to find their style that works best for them because each style is individual. And yes, when I started teaching, I would sit in other teachers' classrooms and, you know, take down notes. But once again, you cannot carbon copy another teacher. You have to make it your own. And then in summary, I would say new teachers including myself, who's a more seasoned teacher, 
be should be willing to receive feedback on their teaching and knowing that teaching is a lifelong art it's a science in fact and we should always be be learning from others and also being able to be observed and to to know that we can always improve our teaching style for our students what role do you think um, curriculum plays in that? Curriculum in the in the in terms of the, um, the creating a curriculum for the students. Yes, and for and for Jewish educators, do you do you think educators should kind of obviously the school has a certain curriculum that they have set in place? Do you think educators? Um, should have the ability to use various curriculums in the classroom and figure out what works best for their students? Um, or, or does the curriculum really matter much at all? Certainly there should be a curriculum. Um, when I teach my Jewish history class, I do use a, a textbook as a curriculum. But however, um, in, in, uh, in that being said, there could be areas which a teacher may want to expand on. Um, there may be a section that's really interesting and the teacher may want to spend more time on that because students seem to want to learn more about it. So I think the curriculum should definitely be there as a, as a, as a foundation, but yet it could certainly be modified. It could certainly be added upon according to the needs of the class. Now, also some classes may, may need more time to cover the content. Other classes may want more enrich enrichment. So I would certainly say the curriculum is very much individualized to the specific class that's being taught. That makes sense. How do you help them with regards to the rise in anti-Semitism? And so how do you help prepare them for that? That's a very good question. And um I think the key is knowledge. Firstly, knowing what's happening around the world. Um, for example, the event that happened in Texas um, about two weeks ago, uh, I spoke about it at in class in length about the event and, and what happened. Um, we were actually at the Shabbaton um, when we actually, we were actually at the Shabbaton that weekend and we were about to get on the bus to come back to LA and um, the head of school, Rabbi Block, he in fact um, mentioned what happened in Texas, and immediately we recited Tehillim, which I think was in, was very, very powerful. Uh, we were having the most amazing time. We're about to leave, but yet we stopped and we paused, and we realized that every single prayer is necessary. And fortunately, the prayers were answered because you know the, everybody came out safely in the end. So. To answer the question, I think in terms of anti-Semitism, students need to be aware of what's going on. They need to know what's going on. They need to be empowered with facts. There's an unfortunate lot of fake news out there. Right. Um, with the internet, that's another another challenge of the internet of what's real and what's not real. And as teachers, we need to have an open forum with our students so they can ask us questions about what's happening around the world in terms of anti-Semitism and other events. And as teachers, our role too is to inform them on the facts of what's true and what's not true. So 
certainly knowledge of what's going on is very powerful in in combating anti-Semitism. And at the same token, always being proud Jews, knowing that whatever we go through and whatever we've gone through, we are going to keep going forward with the belief that our shame is always on our side. Well, I love that answer, and it's amen to that for sure. And the power of prayer that you mentioned, because we also said to Hillem that night, and we know I know other people did too, and it's just one of those things that we could be in all different areas of the world, and one thing that unites us is is that prayer that that we can connect with Hashem and Hashem will answer all those prayers. And it's thank God that uh, everything worked out in Texas because that was really a scary situation. Um, This is our our last question and tends to be one of our more uh, challenging questions. What does successful Jewish education look like in the future, do you think? Certainly, and that's a really great question. And I'd like to address that by saying the following. Firstly, education needs to be accessible for all students. In doing so, in that education is not a one-size-fits-all. In saying that, teachers need to realize that every student learns differently. And every student has something unique to bring to the classroom. Education should ideally be tailor-made to meet the students' learning needs. So some students, for example, learn very well by listening. Some students learn very well by actually building something. Some students learn very well by actually speaking and practicing the knowledge they've learned. Teachers need to be aware of that because the world, the workplace in which we which we know about today is very different to the workplace that it was 10 years ago, even 20 years ago. And many jobs that were around 20 years ago are now obsolete. So what are schools? There's a very, there's a very famous Chinese expression that says that a school is a microcosm of the world, meaning that you're preparing these students for eventually the world they're going to enter one day. How can we best do that? We can best do that by by empowering them with their uniqueness, showing them, telling them, and reminding them that they have unique skills that will one day find them a job where they can really benefit society. I would also add to that and say that Jewish education needs to definitely embrace technology for the reasons that I mentioned before, because technology is not going anywhere. And we saw how Zoom saved us from having a lack of any connection during the pandemic. So technology certainly should should go hand in hand into education. I also think that the future of Jewish education is where schools accept all types of students, all types of learners, where schools can also focus on special needs students, schools will focus on mainstream students, and schools will focus on gifted students. What I'd like to see in the future is schools having the resources to 
be able to teach any type of learner. In my opinion, that is a very successful model for school in the future. Well, what a vision. I, uh, that would be amazing if those things that you mentioned would be, we would be able to accomplish that Jewish education would be accessible. We'd be able to be individualized and uh, to meet the needs of all of the different personalities and learning levels and um, learning difficulties. And so I also pray that in the future that that will be accomplished for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be interviewed for our podcast. Really appreciate it. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.